to Australia. Um, I was still praying about it, thinking about it. I had talked to some folks over there while I was there, tried to get a little more insight on that. And uh, I came back after the second trip. And and after the second trip, uh, the newness of Australia had worn off. The, uh, the excitement of being in a, a new country and, and seeing new things wasn't, uh, you know, there anymore. And so it was now more of a, uh, a realistic decision, you know. Are, are you going to leave your home country and the familiarity of being in a leave your family and go halfway around the world to Australia where it takes you uh, 13, 15 hours or so to fly from Los Angeles? So, you know, that, that counts out weekend trips home. You know, this is a, this is a you know, a big decision. And uh, so I was actually, I was sitting in church one Sunday morning, and I was, I'd just been praying, ask the Lord, you know, Lord, show me from, from your word. Give me some direction uh, for what you want me to do. I, I had talked to a former Australian missionary, and he had encouraged me. Uh, to pray and ask God to give me scripture to confirm uh, his call to Australia. And so I was praying that God would give me some scripture to kind of use as a peg for his will. And so I was sitting there in church, and the the preacher uh, said, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Disciples, if any man will come out and take up his cross, and follow me. There I was, contemplating uh, Australia and, and God's will for my life, contemplating that if I make this, I'm going to give up uh, a lot of comforts. I'm going to give up uh, being with family. I'm going to have to sacrifice some things that maybe I didn't want to. And he reads that verse. And it was as if the Holy Spirit was speaking right to me. And I, could, I, I knew that if I believed in prayer, I could not deny the clarity of the Holy Spirit using his word to give me the answer I've been praying for. Uh, and so this verse has become very significant in my life. It's become very um, meaningful to me. And so I'd like to share a, a message from this verse with you all tonight. And my prayer, God will use it in a, in a special way in your life as well. Uh, so before we get... Uh, into the verse, let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to speak to hearts tonight. Lord, we thank you for this together to look into your word and to, uh, Lord, to learn about uh, what it means to be a disciple, uh, a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray you help us, Lord, as we uh, examine these, these truths, that you would help us, Lord, to take hold of them in our heart and to uh, become a, a committed follower. In Jesus' name we pray. 1624 uh, is a verse that shows us what it takes to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. So we're not just talking about someone who believes in Jesus Christ. Uh, I think if we raise our hands, most of us here would say, yeah, I I believe in Jesus Christ. I've accepted him as my Savior. Uh, But tonight we're we're talking about someone who's who's gone a step further. and, And they said, I'm going to commit to living day by day, for Jesus Christ. Uh, now, you may say, um, you know, with this whole COVID situation, it's kind of uh, affected me. 
life, man. You know, if I'm honest tonight, I'd have to say I'm not as committed as I should be. There may be some of you like that. There may be some sitting here that say, you know, even through COVID, I have tried to be committed. I have tried to stay on track and praise the Lord. Uh, that's great. Uh, but really, regardless of where we are in our level of commitment, uh, whether or not we feel we are strong in that or, or weaker in that, uh, we have to realize that commitment is not a one-time decision. It's a daily choice. If we looked over at uh, cross-reference Luke 9.23, it's the same verse, but it adds one word. It says, let him, uh, it says, take up his cross daily. Uh, it adds that word daily. Uh, the, the, um, that, and that shows us that commitment is not a one-time thing. Uh, it's a daily process. It's a daily decision that we have to make. Uh, and so, as you listen tonight, as we look at this verse and we, we think about commitment, let, let's think how can we um, deepen our commitment to Christ. Uh, even if we, we feel that we are doing well, there's probably something that we can, can add to our level of commitment. And as we look at this verse, we're going to notice there are three aspects of commitment. Three aspects of commitment. And you're probably ahead of me here. It's pretty simple to see that in the text. Uh, denying himself, taking up his cross, and following me. There's, there's the three points. Um, so let's look at these three aspects of commitment and, uh, and take hold of them. Uh, but before we examine those three aspects, look down at verse 25, if you will. Verse 25. Uh, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And what this verse is saying is if, if, we, if we strive to live the life, to, to seek the life, to, to gain the life that we think will make us happy, that will, will get us either pleasure or, or satisfaction or, or wealth or fame or whatever, we're going to end up disappointed. We're going to end up with a life of regret. But if we seek the life that Jesus Christ has for us and we commit to him, we, in a sense, we lose our life for Christ's sake, we're going to actually end up finding life, satisfying, meaningful life. And, and I know that as we talk about these three aspects of commitment, denying self, taking our cross, and following Christ, it's not necessarily the, the thing that we all want to think about because it's going to mean sacrifice. It's going to mean giving up some things. It's, it's going to mean... Um, Maybe some discomfort. But don't forget verse 25. If we are willing to pay the price of commitment, take, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following Christ, we will receive the prize of commitment a meaningful, satisfying, purposeful life. And that's something you cannot buy with money. So let's embrace these three aspects of commitment so that we can receive the prize of commitment. So what is that first aspect of commitment that we must embrace? The first aspect of commitment is denying self. So what does it mean to deny yourself? Uh, the word means to disown. Uh, there's a great example in Scripture. Peter denied Christ. Let's think about what did Peter say uh, when he denied Christ? He said that, 
Uh, he was not one of Christ's disciples. Uh, he had not been with them. He, he didn't know Christ. He disowned Christ. He turned his back on Christ. Now think about this. Peter, he was not only one of the disciples, one of the 12 disciples, he was one of the three inner circle. He was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus Christ. And here he is saying, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. I don't even know him. I wasn't with him. No, I'm not his disciple. He totally turned his back on Christ. And what's worse is he turned his back on Christ and left Christ to go to the cross. He let Christ go to his death. So think about this. The Bible says we are to deny ourself. That's a pretty strong statement, is it not? When you think about Peter's denial of Christ, letting Christ go to his death. So what does it mean to, to deny ourselves? Well, here are two thoughts. Uh, first of all, denying yourself uh, means to deny your status. And Jesus is the perfect example. Think about Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Uh, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. So Jesus Christ, who is God, was God, never ceased being God. He, he emptied himself of his glory temporarily to become a servant of mankind. So he, he emptied himself of his status. He was the, the ruler of the universe. And now he has become the servant of his creation. Think about that. So, so to deny ourself is to deny our status. It's, it's to be servant-minded, just like Jesus Christ. Uh, so denying yourself, it means to deny your status. It also means to deny your self-will, what you want. And again, Jesus is the example, Philippians 2.8. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Think about it. When he was in Gethsemane, he prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. He was totally committed to doing the will of the Father. And uh, this concept really hit me uh, when God called me to Australia. I was sharing with you when I was sitting in church that Sunday, thinking about things I'd have to give up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just a simple country boy from South Alabama. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot to make me happy. I don't really want a lot, need a lot. Um, if, if I have my, my Heavenly Father, uh, family, food, and football, that's, that's a pretty good life if you ask me. Um, but I was sitting there in, uh, I was sitting there in, in Sunday morning service thinking about things I'd have to give up if I went to Australia. And no lie, this actually crossed my mind. I was thinking, they don't have college football in Australia. I'm going to miss out. I grew up in a big football family. We love college football. That was like the Saturday thing to do. And now I'm thinking, I'm going to have to give that up. Uh, but on a, on a more serious note, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to give up family. I've never lived really for any length of time farther than an hour away from, from my family. We all live pretty close there uh, around Pensacola. Uh, but I came across this quote. 
A missionary is someone who leaves their family for a short time so that others may be with their families for eternity. And you know what? I think it'll be worth it. I know it'll be worth it. The souls of men last a lot longer than the few years I would have here with family. Um, you know, watching football is fun, but it is nowhere near uh, in comparison to seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. And I, I wonder maybe, is there someone here tonight, maybe you're, you're in my situation, you're where I was, where God is working in your heart and maybe he wants you to, to deny yourself of something, to do his will, to do what he wants. Uh, maybe it's going halfway around the world. I don't know. Maybe it's something a lot closer to home. could just be something going across the street. But are you willing? Are you willing to deny yourself in order to do the will of the Father, just like Jesus Christ? Are you willing to be a servant? Are you willing to be surrendered to God? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. If you're going to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ, you can't let yourself get in the way. And don't forget, don't forget verse 25, if you're willing to pay the price of commitment, denying yourself, you'll receive the prize of commitment a satisfied life. And, and how ironic is that when we give up our dreams and our desires, it's when we actually are satisfied. And that is, uh, that is the, the miracle of serving Christ. So the first aspect of commitment, self-denial. Now let's look at the second aspect, uh, taking up our cross. Uh, and before we get into the discussion of the cross, let's just uh, uh, make this disclaimer. Uh, a general hardship of life is not a cross. Um, now, you, you could know someone, maybe you personally have or are going through a, a great trial. Maybe it's a, a health problem. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing that. Uh, that, that may be a, a very legitimate trial in your life. But for our purposes tonight, as we talk about taking up our cross, that, that's not a cross. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, you know, the fact that your car broke down for the third time this month, uh, that's not a cross. It, it may be an annoyance, uh, but it is not a cross. So what is a cross? Well, let's think about the crucifixion. Um, even let's think about Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, what did the cross represent in Jesus' day? Uh, here's one pastor's four observations uh, about the cross. First of all, it represented opposition. So if you're going to the cross, the Roman government was against you. They had a big problem with what you had done. Uh, maybe you were a traitor against Rome. You tried to uh, raise up an insurrection to overthrow their power. Maybe you were just a, a horrible murderer or, or terrible criminal. Uh, so the Roman government is trying to keep the peace, and they have a big problem with what you had done, and so they were against you. Second of all, it represented shame. So the government is against you, and uh, as a deterrent to others doing what you had done, they're going to humiliate you and put you out in front of everybody so that others will think twice about doing what you had done. Um, along with that, that shame, uh, it represented suffering, immense suffering. Uh, 
Uh, they didn't appreciate what you had done, so they were going to torture you, and they were going to say, look, if you do what he did, you will pay the price. And so that's what the cross represents, opposition, shame, suffering, ultimately death. <laughs> if you were going to be crucified, it wasn't, uh, you know, we'll think about this, and maybe if you behave during this process, we'll let you off the hook. No, if you were going to the cross, you're done. It, it, was, it was all she wrote. Um, it was lethal injection of their day. So when people think about the cross in Jesus' day, they are thinking horrible criminal, terrible way to die, sure death. So the cross represented death. Painful, humiliating death. So what does it mean for us to take up our cross? You know, and as I was preparing this message, I kept praying, asking the Lord, thinking about what does it mean to take up our cross? And then I believe the Lord showed me this verse, Mark 10, verse 45. Um, This is Christ's purpose statement for coming to earth. This is why he came. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Uh, That sounds a lot like self-denial, serving. And to give his life a ransom for many. Taking up his cross. And then then I think I I understood. uh, Jesus is our example. uh, And Christ's ultimate purpose was to die for our sins, to redeem us Die for our sins to redeem us from our sins. And he surrendered to do what was necessary to accomplish God's purpose, even when it required taking up a physical cross and dying. So just as Christ gave his life for God's purpose, for us, taking our cross means giving our life for God's purpose. It means, it may mean that we will have to endure some opposition some shame, some suffering for the cause of Christ. It may mean that we, we won't really have to endure immense pain or opposition. It, it doesn't have to include that, but it, it, it means being willing to face those things if that's what God wants of us. You know, some of us, it, it may mean living in uh, or around Franklin, Tennessee and uh, living the life that God has given you and just being a, a good neighbor in your community, sharing the gospel with your coworkers. It, it doesn't mean that we have to do something uh, really, quote-unquote, big and, and uh, go halfway around the world to Africa and put our lives on the line necessarily. It may mean that. But, you know, if you're like me, sometimes in Pensacola, I almost thought, you know, am I really accomplished anything for God? It's not like I'm out there like a missionary or a, a great preacher. And Am I really doing anything big for God? But this reminds me that if you're doing what God wants from you, then you can't do anything more. God is, is happy with what you're doing because that's the plan he has for you. But the question is, are you willing 
if he asks a little more of you? Are you willing to give it to him? So taking up our cross, it, it means living not focused on our dreams and our desires, but rather on God's designs and God's direction. It, it means giving our lives to God to do with as he pleases. And so have you done that? Are you doing that? Do you live on a daily basis in, in an attitude of surrender, in an attitude of, of saying, God, whatever you want today, I will, I will do. And that's what it means to take up our cross. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And if you're willing to pay the price of commitment, taking up your cross, you'll receive the prize of commitment, a meaningful life. You'll have purpose that you've never had before because you are living for God. And remember, Revelations 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That is why we are here, is to please God. And as long as we're pleasing God, we can, we can feel good and, and we can be satisfied that we are doing what, what we were created to do. We don't have to always be thinking, oh, I'm not accomplishing anything. Oh, I'm not doing anything great. I'm not, that doesn't matter. You are pleasing your creator. And that's what he asks of you. So two aspects of commitment, denying self and taking our cross. Now let's move to the third aspect of commitment. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Third aspect of commitment is following Christ. Uh, so what is it to follow Christ? Uh, well, the disciples, they're a great example. They, they went with Christ wherever he went. They helped him serve. Uh, they listened. They observed. Uh, think about this. The disciples got to observe Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. What a privilege. They got to be there when he broke the bread and the fishes and he fed the 5,000 people. And, and you think about Philip. He's standing there watching, and he says, I counted those loaves, and there were five loaves there. And he is definitely handing out more bread than was what was in those five loaves. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to see that? To see the looks on the faces of the disciples as they're passing out all these baskets of food? What about being there at the, the Sermon on the Mount? as Jesus preaches maybe the, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. And he blows people's mind. He preaches with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He preaches with authority. And he, he, he totally turns their, their traditions on their head. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there to hear him preach? You know, what a great privilege it would have been. But, uh, you know, obviously today we don't have that privilege, but we have a similar privilege of being able to, to hear Christ's voice through his word, to see him through the pages of scripture. If we will take time 
to, to look. And not just, not just glance, read a, a quick devotional, and then be off and forget about it, but to actually stop and, and gaze and behold Jesus Christ in his word. Or to, to sit and be still and to know that he is God. And to listen and let his spirit speak to us through his word. What a privilege. Or remember what Peter said in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. That, that the testimony of God's word is a more sure prophecy than even his eyewitness account on the Mount of Transfiguration. We have such a, a privilege to have God's word and to see Christ through his word. And so we've got to be in his word. We're not going to be followers of Christ if we are not observing him, if we're not listening to him. This old rabbinic saying illustrates the intensity of desire disciples were supposed to have for learning. Uh, here's the saying, Let thy house be a meeting house for the wise, and powder thyself in the dust of their feet, and drink their words with thirstiness. And there's a perfect example of this in Luke chapter 10, verse 39. Remember Mary and Martha? Uh, they wanted Jesus to come to their house. Uh, they wanted their house to be the meeting house for the wise. That's where Jesus was speaking, and people were gathering to, to hear him. And think about Mary. Where was Mary? She was seated at the feet of Jesus. She was, in a sense, powdering herself in the dust of his feet. She was drinking in his words with thirstiness. She said, forget the, uh, the, the kitchen work. This is much more important. She had a desire to hear Jesus speak, to be with Jesus. So do we have that same intense desire to be with Jesus, to, to be in his word? Are you soaking in God's word? You'll never be a committed follower of Jesus Christ if you're not soaking in his word. You, you'll lack the direction. You'll never be able to follow him because you won't know where to go because you're not in his word. So we've got to be in his word. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we've got to be in his word. And as we get into his word, his word will then show us how to, to go the next step of following Jesus and to carry out his work. Because that's ultimately, that's, that's the goal. We get into his word. We get his word in us so that we can do his work. And what was his work? Well, it was the work of redemption. He came to, to give his life to redeem mankind. And when he was here, he was always reaching out, looking for souls, to seek and to save the lost. He, he was the evangelist that, that we all look to as the example. And you know, we can't redeem anybody, but we can definitely point others to Jesus Christ who can. And that's the work he has left for us. We call it the Great Commission. And we're talking about missions in your, in your missions month. And, and fulfilling the Great Commission, it, it, was, it was Christ's last command. And it should be our first concern. So are we busy about his work? Are we busy about the work of worldwide evangelism? 
Or are there some days that go by when we pillow our heads at night, not even having thought to share the gospel with someone? Are we, are we truly followers of Jesus Christ, committed followers, if we are not telling others about him? You know, think about Jesus. He took the good news of the gospel to everyone. He, he went to the socially unacceptable, the publicans and sinners. He, he went to the people that were weird, the people that you, you don't hang out it, it, it tarnishes your, your uh, you know, stand in the community when you hang out with those people. They, they kind of drop you down a notch. Uh, the, the, the higher class, they will not hang out with you if you hang out with those people. He took the gospel to them. He went to the culturally unacceptable. He went to the, the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Hey, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, much more a male Jew talking to a female Samaritan in that day. He broke several boundaries with that conversation. He did something that was pretty uncomfortable as the disciples walk back and they're thinking, what is he doing now? He just didn't do that, but, but Jesus did. He took the gospel to her. He went to the religiously obstinate Pharisees. You know, a lot of times when we talk to people and they're stuck in their way, we're like, well, too late, too late for them. It, you know, nothing's going to change their mind. But think about this. Jesus passionately, passionately talked to the Pharisees sometimes. And, and you know, I think that uh, Jesus, he grew up in the synagogue. It was his custom to go to the synagogue on Sabbath. He's talking to these Pharisees. I think he knew a lot of them. I, aren't you a little more passionate sometimes in your, your arguments with people that you know rather than uh, a person you don't know? Uh, you, you don't typically go up into someone's face that you don't know and just start laying into them. But Jesus, some of the, the discourses he had with, with those Pharisees, they got pretty passionate. They seemed to be pretty heated. I, I think he knew these folks. And he was saying, why don't you see? You know the scriptures. If you would have read Moses, you, you would have known of me because they, they testify of me. He was extending his hand to them saying, look, God wants to gather you like chicks under his wings. But you won't, you won't listen. Jesus went to everyone. And if we are his followers, if we're going to be committed followers of Jesus Christ, we have to take the gospel to everyone. Again, his last command must be our first concern. Folks, people are dying and going to hell. And for a moment, forget about Australia. People are dying and going to hell here in Nashville, Tennessee and the suburbs around Nashville and in your neighborhood. They're dying and going to hell. And if we are 
going to be committed followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to go tell them. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So are we committed? Are we committed to following Jesus Christ tonight? And don't forget, please don't forget verse 25. Because as we deny ourselves, we will find satisfaction. And as we take up our cross, we'll find purpose. And as as we follow Christ, we will find direction for life. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The denial, the, the sacrifice will be worth it. It may lead you to some uncomfortable conversations. It may lead you to, to have to give up a friend or to, to be viewed at work as a religious fanatic. But it will be worth it. And you know, I'm, I'm definitely finding this to be true in my life. God has called me to Australia, and he has put me on on a path that I never thought, I never intended. Uh, He has directed and and reshaped my plans, uh, especially this last summer. Uh, He really had to mold me and to to break my will, what what I wanted, what I thought was the best way to do it. But, you know, I'm not sitting there angry at God saying, God, why are you messing up my plans? This isn't right. Actually, it fills me with joy and with hope because I I can see that God is bringing me into his plan. And he has put me on the path of his purpose, worldwide evangelism. And I get to become something, become part of something that's much greater than Josh Zacharias. It's not about Josh Zacharias. It's not about Australia. It is about God and his purpose. His work of worldwide evangelism. And wow, he allows me to have a small part in that. And that brings so much satisfaction knowing that I'm doing what God wants. And it brings so much peace and fulfillment. God wants you to have a life of satisfaction, of fulfillment. A life that when you look back, you can, you can say, I am glad I, I served God. I did what I did. And I don't have regrets of wasted years. But you've got to commit to Jesus Christ. So will you commit to following Jesus Christ? Will you pay the price of commitment so that you can receive the prize As pastor comes, let's pray. Father, we thank you.